served in the military, different stints, right, with the Air Force, you would expect that when he took the mask off, that Carly and Cameron would do exactly what they did. Dad! Dad! The love and the embrace and the reunion and the tears and Dad's home, right? But what if the sergeant took off his mask as the catcher and they just stared at him? Huh? Who are you? Now that would be a tragic moment, right? Because you're like, it's your dad! Come on! they got cameras here. You need to be doing the emotional thing and doing the embrace. But what if they really did not recognize their father? You know, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's all kinds of cool events that take place. And one of the coolest events I think that took place was when Jesus appeared to two men as they were walking on the road to a town called Emmaus. And when they were walking on the road, uh, Jesus just comes up alongside of them like a stranger. And he says, you guys are looking sort of down. You're looking sort of sad. What's going on? And they said, man, where have you been, buddy? Haven't you heard what's happened in Jerusalem? Jesus, who we thought was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of, the Son of God, he proclaimed to be. He, we, we thought he was the one that we've been waiting for. But they crucified him. He was killed. He died. And, and that's it, man. Buried. Done. Over. And Jesus. Resurrected. They didn't recognize him for whatever reason. He begins to unpackage before them all of the scriptures that what happened. And then do you remember what happened? He went to where they were going in the home and he broke bread with them. Shared the supper as we just shared this morning. The bread and the covenant. And what happened does it say in Luke 24? In that moment when Jesus broke bread with the guys on the road to Emmaus, their eyes were enlightened and they realized Dad! Dad, it's you! And then Jesus, he, he disappears from them. He's gone. And we would think, wow, that was a missed opportunity, right? Well, they came back, they told the disciples, Jesus reappeared to them, and they rejoiced, those kinds of things. In those days following the resurrection, Jesus would appear to some, and then he would withdraw himself. Why did he do that? To play a game? He strategically did it, I believe in part, because he was getting them weaned off of his physical bodily presence so that they could be enthralled and empowered by his spirit presence that he would promise them would come. And so he didn't want them always just sitting in a circle and chatting and those kinds of things. He knew that they need to have this transition after the resurrection where they were no longer engaged in his physical presence, but they were seeking to be attuned to his spiritual presence that was with him. But today, as Christian believers, even 2,000 years later, we make a tragic mistake We make a tragic mistake if we think that Jesus is not with us every moment of every day as a follower of him. Jesus wanted us to be in close communion with him. And he not only wanted us to be in close communion with him, he wanted us to be empowered by his very essence. But today, 
we as Christian believers sometimes are blinded to the reality that the Spirit of God is with us. Francis Chan has written a book called uh, Forgotten God. And in the book, he just sort of unpacks the whole understanding of why is it that we in the evangelical churches today have so much ignored the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is. It's as like we're going around and Jesus is trying to reveal himself to us and we're just staring out. Who? Where is he at? What's going on? We need to embrace the Spirit of Jesus. We need to be living by the Spirit of Jesus. We need to be empowered by the Spirit of Jesus. And that's exactly what Jesus taught them between the resurrection and the coming of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But even before that, when he was trying to educate and enlighten his followers before he went to the cross. We are challenged still today to understand what it means to live in the Spirit of God. And so we're taking on a new message series today inspired in different kinds of ranks from different kinds of directions. But ultimately, I want you to know we're taking on this subject matter for this month at least, if not more, because God has this for us as a body for this day, for such a time as this. For what he wants to do in and through us, individually, as families, in our communities, and through us as a church, this is critical. And so this is sort of not a, oh, here's a carry message, or here's somebody else encouraging this kind of message. I really have sought the Lord on this, and I believe this is a message series that we need to take on for now. Because there is not only blindness to the Spirit, there is ignorance to the Spirit, and there is double-mindedness concerning living life in the Spirit. Are you one of those individuals? Could you be what Francis Chan refers to in his book as a person who walks around with a forgotten God? You know, I don't know what your background is. If you grew up in churches, sometimes you uh, maybe you were in different kinds of churches. Some churches that uh, were maybe more liturgical and they had ritual routine and more somber. Maybe the music today is a little bit over the top for you kind of thing. Maybe you went to churches that the music today wasn't over the top at all. And you're going like, why did we stop so quick? We should have kept going, you know. And so all of us have different kinds of backgrounds. But sometimes we get fearful of the Holy Spirit because of the extravagance that maybe we thought or heard of in some other pockets. Oh, I don't want to be one of those Holy Spirit roller kind of people, right? Oh, not going to be there. I'm just going to, I'm going to be calm, cool, and collected, right? Maybe it's because a church or right, it, it never taught you, and so there's sort of ignorance to it. Maybe it's because you know that if it comes to understanding more of living in the Spirit, there's going to be some changes that probably have to come to your life. Whether it's been the extravagance and error, the ignorance in teaching, or there's a volitional issue going on in your life, I think all of us could use some weeks, myself included, 35 years in the ministry, walking along with the Lord even in that, where I'm like, I need to walk back through a whole understanding of this. Because there's something amiss if I'm not truly empowered and living by the Spirit. So, we have the start button, the empower button, 
You use them every day on all kinds of appliances. Will you be willing to press the empowerment button to live by the Spirit? Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection was a pretty key event. But what happened after the resurrection? You know, they just sort of did the evaluation of our uh, new president because he was 100 days in, right? What was the first 100 days like? It's almost like I want to sit back and go, well, what were the first 100 days of Jesus after the resurrection? What got accomplished then? Well, there's a lot that got accomplished the first 100 days after the resurrection. Actually, the first 49, 50 days were huge in transforming the world. After the resurrection, there were appearances of all kinds. The men on the road to Emmaus. Mary at the tomb. The disciples. We heard about those. In the Case for Christ series we came out of, we you know, gave reference that over 500 and some people saw appearances of the resurrection of Jesus. What did he do during those resurrections? Well, he just didn't say, hey, I'm back. I'm back to see you later. I think he taught. He wasn't always constantly with them, so they would learn to be dependent on the presence of the Spirit that was coming and not His bodily form. But He taught and He instructed, just like He did with the men on the road to Emmaus. He unfolded the Scriptures. He says, let me go back from the beginning to the end. Let me explain this fully. So during the 40 days before Jesus ascended to the heavens, He taught, He instructed. And I tell you what He taught and instructed about a lot, what we're going to be talking about in this series, the Holy Spirit. And then he gave the promise that they were to wait and they were to tarry before they tried to do the great commission of telling the whole world about him. And that they were going to receive the promised Holy Spirit. So he told them to wait. But then upon that, as you can read in Acts 1, he ascends into the heavens and they're standing there. He ascends into the heavens and they're gawking and the angels come and say, what are you gawking into the heavens? This same God, Jesus, who has gone from you will come in same form again. Oh, okay. And so then they move on from there. And what did they do after the promise and after the ascension? Well, scriptures say that they did um, a, a few different things, but this is what they were going off of. Luke twenty four forty nine. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with lethar- lethargy. No, fills you with power from on heaven, Right? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive doldrums. You will receive a spirit of complacency. No. You will receive power to do the mission and the purpose he's come. So he made this promise that they were to wait. But then what did they do? Well, Scriptures say that they praise the Lord in the temple every day. I'm sure that those were some good worship services. They were gathered around. They were on the other side of the resurrection. They won everybody else that was uh, denying Jesus. They lost. So they spent time praising. They spent time praying. And they waited. They waited. How long did they wait? Well, from the period of the resurrection to the ascension was 40 days and then they waited nine days and nine days Jesus came back but he came back to his Holy Spirit 
on the day of Pentecost. And that's something we'll be looking at in this series, of course. But there was Pentecost. There's the radical transformation of all of them. They began to witness. They began to speak in other tongues and other languages. Oh, that's one of those things. Are we really going to get into something like that? We might. <laughs> might have been one of those things you were fearful about. All right. We'll be talking biblical on the instruction of that. And is it for today? Is it not? That kind of thing. But in that particular moment when tongues came on them, it was a language for them to be able to communicate to all the people who were in town on vacation to, to celebrate, all right, Pentecost, because it was a, a Jewish holiday. And they heard the disciples speaking in their own language. Transformation. And they began to communicate the gospel. The presence and the power came upon them and the church was born. And so it went from there. 49 days. 49 days. What kind of grade would you give Jesus for his first few days in office? This subject is maybe a subject you've heard me speak on before in the few years that I've been here. But this subject subject is near and dear to my heart because it's brought transformation to me. I do not live in a world where my Jesus is absent. I live in a world where Jesus is with me. And not only that Jesus is with me every day of my life, but Jesus indwells within me every day of my life. And that indwelling gives me power and strength for his purposes. This life I have as a Christ follower this morning, if maybe you've not become a Christ follower and you want to check God out, I want to tell you something. It is an adventure, but it's only an adventure if you understand that Jesus is alive and he lives within you if you've chosen to follow him. What he brings us with his spirit is so transcendent and incredibly awesome and beyond this world that the world cannot grab a hold of it. You come out of the world, even if you are a Christ follower this morning. And in many ways, when we come out of the world, we are blinded, we are ignorant, we are maybe cautious, but we are not fully alive unless we understand this empowerment of the Spirit. And for me, it was a subject matter early on. And I went down all kinds of different roads, even coming back to it this last couple of weeks and wrestling with it. I'm like, whoo, oh, I'm so thankful, God, you taught me that and you've shown me and I live by that. I need to remember it all over again. And I need to work. In fact, even just here as I stood up and I said, Lord, this thing, if this is true, if I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, I need you to empower me for these moments to speak to our people because this is so critically important. And if Jesus walked in here, he would instruct you the same way he instructed the disciples before the resurrection then after the resurrection before his ascension he would instruct you in lessons and understanding concerning the holy spirit and he would want you to recognize that he is with you abba father dwelling within me the spirit of jesus as the holy spirit one of the things i did when i was young was I memorized an incredible section of Jesus' instructions. John 14 through 16. I won't take you all the way through it. But I want you to picture yourself, at least for a chapter, 
of Jesus sitting with you in your living room. Or maybe Jesus standing here in front of you today. And he would try to instruct you concerning what was to happen, but what we now look back in hindsight and see did happen. And you would find him saying these words. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, hey, we don't know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you would have known me, you would have known the Father. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Otherwise, believe on accounts of the works themselves. For truly, truly, I say to you, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will send you another helper. That he may be with you forever. It is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because the world does not see him or know him. But you, you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world no more will see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you shall live also. And in that day you shall know, you shall know then in that day that I am in my Father and the Father is in me and I am in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and we will come and disclose ourselves to him. Judas, Judas not Judas Iscariot said to him, Lord, um, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us but not to the world? Jesus answered and he said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and I will love him and we will make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to you in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. 
peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you that I go away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. But now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will not speak with you much more, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as he commands me. Now, let us get up and go from here. Oh, I love John 14, 316. And that was only one chapter. Jesus, some of the most incredibly intimate words, trying to, you know, sometimes you try to understand things with Scripture or the world, and you're scratching your heads. And, and I was talking with somebody the other day about this because we were talking about some really deep concepts here and there and going back and, and before creation and stuff like that. And so I said sometimes you just start to get your heart hold of truth and, you, and your mind just goes, Friends, if you really get a hold of John 14 through 16, Jesus instructing his disciples about the Holy Spirit, what was going to happen, how he would indwell them, his ultimate realm in which he came from and was returning to, and his purposes for the eons of time, your mind and your heart both will go, whoa! Are you lacking wonder and a sense of mystery and incredible worth in life? Then dig into the teachings of Jesus and His Spirit, they are true. And not just get them in your head, but experience them in your life. Push the start button. Get empowered. Because God never intended for you and I to sit around and struggle on this side of the resurrection and the ascension, and definitely on this side of Pentecost. Four things I just want to highlight briefly today. We'll be coming back to these. The first is that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not a force, not a feeling, and not a fabrication of your mind or your spiritual whims. The Holy Spirit is a person. You relate to Him as surely as you relate to your spouse, your kids, your friends. He does not have a body. He is spirit, but He is a person. And He is a personal spirit the second is the holy spirit is god co-equal third person of the trinity god the father god the son god the holy spirit when we do baptisms later today we will baptize in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit why Because we believe in the unity of one God, but he exists eternally in three persons. He exists in community. That's why we have relationships, because we are not locked up into ourselves, because God wasn't. A lot to understand in that. That will be a part of our journey as we move through. But the Holy Spirit is a person. The Hebrew word for the Spirit 
is Ruach. Did I get that right, Mike? Ruach. In the New Testament, the Greek word was pneuma. The Old Testament word, ruach, means wind, even the wind that's in your breath. The New Testament word, pneuma, means breathe or breeze. And so we can really think of the Holy Spirit as the breath of God. Now, you need to understand this. The Holy Spirit just didn't show up on the scene for the day of Pentecost, 49 days after the resurrection. It was like, hey, come in. We need, the, we need the third person here. Let's go. Time, time, for, time for you on the show. You're in this next act. Here's the next act. No, friends, he was God and he was with everything in the beginning. Let me just highlight a few aspects as it relates to him being God. He was omnipotent. He was all-powerful. Luke 1.35, the angel said, The Holy Spirit came upon you with the power of the Most High who will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. There was the Spirit in the announcement to Mary about the birth of Jesus. He was omnipresent. He's all places at once. Psalm 139 says, I can never escape from your Spirit. I can never get away from your presence. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. First Corinthians 2.10 But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. It's all-knowing. He's eternal. Hebrews 9.14 Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God for the power of the eternal Spirit. Christ offered Himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And He's equal. In the story of Ananias and Sapphira, it says, Why did you sin against the Holy Spirit? Why did you sin against God? In Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, the Elohim. And Elohim is a plural word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. Got that one down? I got that one memorized. In the beginning, God, plural, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all things came into being. But then it says this in verse 2 of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And listen to this. And the Spirit, the breath, the wind of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Holy Spirit's always been. And in the Old Testament, what do we find from the Old Testament? We find in the Old Testament that people, they did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but they had the Spirit, the breath of God would come down upon them, and they would do mighty and great things. Samson, the story of Samson, the Spirit of God upon him. David, it said that David had the power of God would come upon him. And sometimes the power of God would come upon and rest on people for long periods of time, but then it would pull itself back. David said, do not take thy Holy Spirit from me. Why did he say that? He would just sin. He had an affair. And he cried out to God, don't take, don't lift your spirit from me. Don't take your spirit from me. So in the Old Testament, before the day of Pentecost, before Jesus spoke those words in John 14, anticipating what would be happening to them, the Spirit of God was evident. He would come upon, he would dwell, he would pull back. So he was active because he's God himself. But the Spirit did not come and indwell them permanently. 
the Holy Spirit third. Now I'm going to use the word paraclete because you can learn a Greek word. I don't know what version of the Bible you have, but there's two places there in John 14 I just referenced when Jesus said the helper, the helper. It's actually the word the paraclete. When the paraclete comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will teach you all the truth. All right? If you obey my commandments, I will ask the Father, and he will send you another paraclete. The word paraclete means one who comes up alongside of, a traveling companion, one who is really right there in all circumstances. And so in some scriptures, in some translations, the John 14 aspect, it's translated that the Holy Spirit is the helper. In other places, it's translated, other versions, the advocate or the comforter or the counselor. If you want to know the essence of what the Holy Spirit's actually doing, he is a paraclete. He is one who comes up alongside of you, but he not only comes up alongside of you, he also then indwells you. John 14:16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another paraclete. That this paraclete, this comforter, advocate, and counselor will be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world can't receive him. doesn't see him. doesn't know him. But you know him. Because listen what? I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Every time I come across that verse these days, I'm reminded that it's a favorite verse of my daughter who was adopted. Because she says, Dad, there's a verse in the Bible that does not say that I will not leave you as orphans. And that's what she was when we adopted her from China. That speaks powerfully to you this morning if you've been adopted. I will not leave you as orphans. Because they were freaking out. They were scared. He was talking some big stuff. Their brains were going, their hearts were going, whoa. The helper. And that day you know that I am in my Father and you and me and I and you. He begins to articulate this whole mystical oneness. These things I've spoken to you while abiding with you, John 14, 25. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, this paraclete, he will teach you. He will bring to remembrance all I said to you. He will bring you peace. I'm leaving peace with you because I'm leaving him with you. Don't let your heart be troubled. It's to your advantage that I go away. Even though you don't like the idea. Because I'm going to come back and I'm going to dwell within you. And so the Holy Spirit and dwells a born-again follower of Christ at conversion. I'm going to ask my friend Mike Smith to come up. We're going to just share for a few minutes to close out. This is a huge subject. Some of you know you took Mike's class recently when he offered it before service for a couple weeks before um, Easter. And uh, Mike and I, we've been meeting together some, haven't we, Mike? Yep. We're giving farmer boys some income. And uh, is that your thing on there? I don't know. There. Now you're good. Now you can. There you go. Now you can say good morning. Mike, um, he has. uh, Been instrumental, even in my own life, having been here as somebody who keeps pressing me into this. You know, Mike, it says in Romans 8, 11. Paul says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living in you. I think that sort of sums up some of our passion uh, as we've shared together. What we need is a body to understand. It's really a summation of the passion for today. But uh, just take a few moments, Mike. You were how long a Christian before uh, some of this struck home to you? 
Well, I, I, I got saved in 1981, and um, really neat people, really good church. But um, and <laughs> the funny part was I had one guy that kept talking to me about walking in the Spirit and knowing the Spirit, but he never really taught me how to do that. He just kept saying, yeah, you need to do it. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. We all need to walk in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. <clears throat> and then, of course, I was actually a pretty good guy. I didn't do that much bad stuff and whatever. So I went through my Christian life, you know, without too much trouble. But within the last, I don't know, five years uh, or so, something's been indwelling in me or dwelling or welling up in me saying there's more to this Christian life. There's more. And as we got into the Word of God and started listening to different people and started, uh, uh, there was a group we had here, uh, we were talking uh, with healing and some of these other manifestations of the Spirit. God has brought me to a place where I have been totally enlightened and opened up to the Word of God and what it says about the Holy Spirit. And and God has actually actually anointed me to teach this. This is my soul thing to do. This is my mission, is to teach each and every one of you people in this church about the Holy Spirit and the power that comes with it. So that's kind of what's happened. And God does that sometimes. He gives, gives us one thing to do and only one thing to do in your life. But He, every time I start talking about the Holy Spirit, man, I just, inside of me, it just kind of bubbles up like I'm totally excited about it. And I'm sure a lot of you people have seen that. In you can't tell by you right now. No. <laughs> Not at all. But it's so foundational. It's so imperative that we do this because this is our Christian life. This is the power we have to understand who he is. And that will give us, I mean, so much power and direction in ministry and even in, our, in the workplace, in the marketplace, and everything we do as human beings in this world. If we listen to our spirit and understand and follow the guidance of the spirit, I'm telling you, there, you know, we're going to be... We're going to be the head and not the tail. <laughs> we're going to be blessed in the field, and we're going to be blessed in the city, and we're going to have all of these things God wants us to be. He doesn't want us to just get by on this side of the resurrection. Right. So, and Carrie, you've done a great job. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Mike and I were sitting down. We were trying to put together what are the ten critical things to know. I don't know if we'll have eight, ten, twelve, whatever. But we want this to be something that impacts us not only on Sunday morning, but during the course of our weeks. And so I've asked Mike if he would sort of help um, step in to co-lead, co-teach some of the life groups during the course of the next uh, couple weeks at least and for this month. And so between Mike and I, we are going to be looking at what this really means, answering questions. We'll take on anything, all right, as it relates to the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's, let's get it all brought up. Let's not be hidden with our thoughts or, or our confusion or our opinions. Let's discuss it. And I believe that Jesus shows up in the midst of wherever two or three are gathered because he dwells within us, and he's going to teach us about the Holy Spirit just like he taught the disciples before the cross and after the resurrection, before the ascension. Jesus is going to teach us. So Monday night, there's a group that meets. Tuesday night, there are two groups that meet. And Wednesday night, there's a group that meets. On the back of your connection card, if you're not connected to one of those groups, and you know if you go to those groups, or at least try to semi-hit them, right? Um, just put what night is best for you, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I will be in touch with you, I guarantee you, by 
uh, this evening, all right, somehow, because I want you to be connected, and I know that Mike's going to bring a lot um, to the table with that. Other thoughts here? I know you have a lot of thoughts. but Oh, uh, my gosh, I could go, go on and on. We could take at least two days to do this. But anyway, the one verse that God keeps giving to me and is um, God, the Holy Spirit will not manifest where he's not honored. And we want to honor the Holy Spirit because we want to see him manifest um, healing, restoration, all of these things, um, redemption, uh, our marriages, our, our workplace, uh, uh, this all comes from the Spirit. This is where all you get all of your healing. This is where you, you have problems with depression or any of these things. It all comes from the Spirit. This is the part of us, this perfect, holy, and righteous part of us that God has given us when we come to know the Lord. This is where this all comes from. We just have to learn how to tap into that. And that's what this whole is all about, understanding how to actually speak and interact with the Holy Spirit. Because he so much yearns for us to have a relationship with him. The Bible says he yearns to have a relationship with us. And we just, you know, sometimes ignore him, you know. And he loves us so much. And this has been so exciting to me that we're doing this. There have been people who have been praying for this study for three, four years at this body. So, this is happening. This is exciting. This is Isn't it like when Mike talks about the Holy Spirit? It's like he just, you know, left left his house this morning and been <laughs> living with him. I like that. Um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to close with a song. I have a couple Francis Chan quotes here just to end with, though. The guy who wrote the book, Forgotten God. He says this. You don't, thanks, Mike. He says, you don't need the Holy Spirit if you are merely seeking to live a semi-moral life and attend church regularly. You can find people of all sorts and many religions doing that quite nicely without him. You only need the Holy Spirit's guidance and help if you truly want to follow the way of Jesus Christ. And then he says this, If it's true that the Spirit of God dwells in us and that our bodies are the Holy Spirit's temple, then shouldn't there be a huge difference between the person who has the Spirit of God living inside of him or her and the person who does not. Open your hearts. God's got something not only new to show you and teach you in this series called Empower, Living by the Spirit, but I believe there's transformation in your body, your soul, and your spirit. A transformation of your world because God did not leave us as we're the usher is going to come to receive the Lord's